We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either you're first or you're last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Star on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. With 14 seconds left. The Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Star. Lays it up for Freeman, and it's incomplete. And, or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they going to roll it? He caught it. Touchdown. He did what? Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers. With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk of the Tundra, GSPN, and Blue Wire's Green Bay Packers podcast. I am your host, Numac, and today I am joined by the always lovely Ty Windish. Ty, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. You know, I signed up to do a pod today, I think without realizing what trying to closely watch a third week of preseason game uh, and be ready to do a pod about it entails exactly. I thought, you know, going into Talk of the Tundra, it's like, oh yeah, love football, really have gotten more into it in the last like four years. I was into it as a kid. Oh, it's so easy to watch football. This will be great. And I'm sitting there. And we're texting each other. Detley, Danny Etling <laughs> is running around out there trying to throw darts. It's just like, all right, I don't know how much more. I don't know how many more real takeaways I can have. But I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk about the things we're going to talk about more than Danny Etling on this podcast. Uh, and I'm also excited that preseason is over. And we don't have to do this again. Yeah, it's a uh, uh, shout out John in the Discord last night uh, said that. It's really oh by the way, join the GSPN uh, Discord at uh, GSPN.info. Everything at GSPN.info. Everything's in there. Yeah. Uh but he said now that we have three preseason games, he is so thankful that we don't have a fourth. Because I can't imagine sitting through a fourth preseason game watching this I guess we'll say lackluster football. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, to say the least, to say the least. But still, I think we've got some fun, some fun, maybe fun, some good takeaways, right? Some some actually interesting things to talk about 
Whether they're fun or not uh, is up for debate, but there's certainly some Packers takeaways, even from this week three preseason game, that uh, I'm excited to get into. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with, uh, I guess, the elephant elephant in the room with with Jordan Love. He was coming off a game against the Saints that he looked really good, and we were all kind of really excited to see that big step from him. This game was a little different. He had to go against the number one defense for the first two series um, of the game. And you could definitely tell that uh, since the Packers at their starters and pretty much all of their uh, specialist players, that this, the skill gap between the Chiefs' first defense and the Packers' second string offense was pretty large. And it definitely showed. Love was uh, not getting seeing any open receivers on that first drive. I think the first two drives, they went three and out. And it was it was tough sledding. It was hard to watch, but once he got settled in and some of those starters started to rotate out, he did start playing a little better, especially on that uh, touchdown drive that ultimately ended in touchdown from uh, Tyler Goodson. Yeah, I thought the best thing from Love in this game was his pocket presence was really good. He ends up getting sacked one time for zero yards loss. It was really, he knew the pressure was there. He started to scramble. He couldn't really get anywhere, but that was it. But, I mean, for all the times he dropped back, and there was certainly pressure. As you mentioned, the Chiefs were had, I think, all of their first team, or at least most. Like, I don't know if guys like Chris Jones were playing, but yeah. they, they had a lot of their best players in there defensively. And this is a Packers team who was not playing their ones, you know, at receiver or on the line. Um, and obviously, you know, even their ones on the offensive line probably don't include two all pro level tackles when healthy. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about not their current version of the ones, it's really not their, <laughs> their best group by any means. But I thought his poise in the pocket was really impressive. I thought he moved around there well, sensed pressure, was able to either scramble or extend plays. The problem was not much was done with a lot of those plays. I think that the touchdown drive, it seemed like they were just, they, they had better first reads. He didn't have to do that as much. Right. But the first two drives, you know, he's moving around. At one point, I'm like, oh, God, he's going to get sacked. But he just moves around perfectly, and he's ready. You can tell he's ready to throw downfield, which we know Matt LaFleur loves. He's talked about, right? Like, he really wants Jordan Love to be aggressive and not be Jimmy G, essentially. But there just wasn't anything there. So I, I'm not even blaming Love that much because, as you said, I think the Kansas City defensive backs just pretty much had everything taken away. I, I mean, I haven't gotten to see, like, the all Tony 2 or anything – to see if we like we just couldn't see with our TV angle what was downfield, but it just didn't look like there was anything there. So, you know, I think he got a little too aggressive later. We can talk about the interception. But I thought for love, it was just like it, it was fine. You know, I wasn't overly impressed. It was kind of funny looking at I saw somebody shared, I think after he came out of the game, this week the long throws were his bugaboo. He was really bad on those. When it yeah. felt like the Saints game, the short throws he couldn't convert. So trying to evaluate yeah. Jordan Love is a little maddening. All I know is, like, he does some things, I think, very well. Like, he does – he has, there's a lot of plays where you look and you go, yeah, that's an NFL quarterback. And that yep. seems like a low bar maybe. But not everybody drafted in in the NFL draft, even in the first round, ends up being a guy you say, oh, yeah, that looks like an NFL quarterback. Maybe one with plus side upside. It, it's just hard to tell. I certainly don't think you walk away from this this preseason either saying – oh, yeah, he's going to be great, let's push Aaron Rodgers out, or, oh, man, he's a bust, let's cut him on cut day. Like, I still think we're somewhere in the middle, which is maybe the worst place to be, but yep. I think that's where we're at. Yeah, it's definitely 
not where I wanted to be coming out of the preseason. I wanted to get a more definitive answer because like th- that decision is going to have to be made eventually. Whether we talked about it on the uh, the last podcast or just you and I, I forget, but they have to make a decision, like what they want to do for extending him or cutting him. And the, the fifth year option is going to be there. Yeah. I think that's the inflection point, right? Um, right. It was two more years, including this year before that. Yeah, almost certainly have this year and next year on them. So. Although they might have to decide after this season. I think, I think they do. I think it's like NBA where you have to do it a year or two early. So mm-hmm. that that's going to be a fascinating one. Um, I don't think we know what the value looks like, but for a first-round quarterback, I think it's it would end up being a pretty nice payday. I mean, what did the Panthers just took Sam Darnold? I know he was drafted higher, but it's uh, it's quite an amount of money. Oh yeah, yeah. So the and now he's Packers not starting ha- for them. <laughs> yeah, so the Packers have uh, this year and next year um, under contract. Uh, under contract, and then twenty twenty four is his club option year. Yeah. Then, so the so they have probably have to decide next next uh, offseason. The for just for some context, and I I gotta look it up if it's based on draft stock or what. But mm. Darnold's was eighteen point nine million, um, and again it's for his for his fifth year club, fifth year option. Yeah, I don't think it'll be that much because uh, yeah, because Love was taken late in the in the first right. Yeah, Love's annual salary right now is one point seven million. Yeah, so, so Darnold was four point eight million in in the year before, so it'll probably be less. But I would imagine it'll be eight figures. I would think for. Any yeah. first round player, I'm I'm just not exactly sure on that, uh, yeah. but you do you can run into and it's different for the Packers who, I mean maybe they'd be expecting him to start by then, but kind of awkward right now for Carolina right because they're paying a guy who's not going to play week one. The Browns yeah. are paying two guys who aren't going to play for them week one. Like you you don't want to end up paying guys who aren't going to be starting for your team and helping. So it is right. it's a complicated thing. But let's let's talk more about loves uh, loves preseason than. This because I think neither of us are, you know, NFL front office experts at this point in God, terms no. of all these specific machinations. I'm certainly, yeah, not. I know that, right? Yeah, me neither. So, yeah, so once once Love settled in, he started making the throws. We kind of were expecting him to make it with the absence of those those long throws. Um, there was a couple in there. Um, I think it was like the second quarter where. Uh, Love drops back and he just looks like so comfortable. It reminded me of like it was Aaron Rodgers esque. He just looked like he was in his element. There was nothing different about uh about this drop back or anything else. He just three step fired, yeah, three step drop back, set his feet, fired a dart to two right off across the middle for a catch and a big gain. Like that's the things we want to see. We don't want his throws to make it look like they're trying. Like it should just be an ease thing for him at this point. And I think it's starting to get there, but it's not consistently there. He has often times where he telegraphs his throws. I forget. Uh, I think it was Tyler Davis, like the third quarter. I, I watched <laughs> Love stare at Tyler Davis from the beginning of his route to when he came out of the route, throw it to him for like an eight-yard gain on a on a slant route, but uh, not a slant route, a, a route to the corner. And that's going to be kind of the stuff that has to get fixed. And I think the scrambling. When he was scrambling, he threw a couple ones that were wild. Like he just didn't have the arm strength to get them there on the scramble. And so it's it's little things, but ultimately this is hopefully the last time we'll see Jordan Love this this season, and I'm coming away feeling better than I was after the Kansas City game last year. 
Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe we'll see him in in a week eighteen. Uh, that'd be fine. But yeah. yeah, hopefully the last time we see him, at least for for several weeks. Right. Um, the the interception he threw, I thought. I know there was. I think it was the first week of the preseason, and we were not able to watch that game because we were at Wisconsin Timber Rattlers to watch Jackson Churio. That's right. Um, but listen to Cruising for a Bruising wherever I'll you listen. get this podcast. But um, I know he had some like ints that weren't his fault. They were like tip passes or whatever. This one was. I don't think it was a bad throw. I think it was bad process. Like, yeah, trying to get the tight end on the seam route. I believe it was, and the safety's over the top. And it's just, you know, I almost wonder some of this stuff. Like you mentioned, trying to make these throws on the run when he just didn't have quite the arm. And this ball is this the downside of being in a QB room with Aaron Rodgers? Right? Like, you know, I right. think you can learn a lot from him, but he is not one of those quarterbacks where you can bring a young guy in and say. Yeah, just watch what this like, – you can't replicate his process on the field. You right. probably shouldn't replicate it off the field either. <laughs> like, <laughs> triple check with the, the NFL substances policy first. But yeah. no, I, I just – I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's reading too much into it and it's just a young quarterback making mistakes. But, you know, I think unless your your young guy is like literally Patrick Mahomes or something, uh, you just can't try and do everything Rodgers does. You just can't can't do it all. But, you know, it wasn't awful. It wasn't like, oh, what were you thinking there? It ended up being more of an arm punt. Although the yeah. Packers offense looked like the Packers special teams on the return from that interception, which was unfortunate. But ideal. Um, yeah, it just it, fine. Fine day for love, as we mentioned. Not not yeah. super encouraging, but not wasn't a pull your hair out day. I don't think either. Right. This is the t- just to touch brief on that uh, interception. Um, uh, Ryan Wood tweeted last night after the game an interview with uh, Jordan Love that he said on the interception, quote, looking back on it, just maybe take the shorter throw and keep moving the sticks. Yep, that's yeah. exactly kind of what we were just talking what we were just talking about. I also, this reminds me when I played golf in high school and three people in a row at putting practice left the putt short. So, of course, I go up there and I putt it so damn hard it goes off the green, right? Like, I do wonder if this is all the fleur, at least that we've we've heard, it seems like everything is about wanting to be more aggressive. I right. wonder if that's a little bit of an overcorrection. Like I, I need to take this bomb. That's what coaches right. want to see, right? And yeah, because I think like if he does complete it, it's a very nice throw. Like the what I what I kind of like mentioned in the Discord when that happened was it was a nice throw. It wasn't like just this wildly inaccurate throw. It was a nice ball. It was just a touch out in front of. I think it was. I think it was starting to win free, but I'm just guessing at this point. Um, but just that little bit touch in front of him, which is why it got ended up getting picked. So, yeah, overall, good game, not great game, but we'll uh, have to take this conversation next year. <laughs> oh, did we say the score? Seventeen ten. Seventeen ten. You guys are uh, yeah. Green Bay scores all 10 in the second quarter. Hey, it's preseason. Yeah, it's not preseason. That, that's not the important part of the game. That's right. Um you had mentioned earlier that this game wasn't a game you're going to pull your hair out for Jordan Love, but it was for the special teams. Special teams was abysmal. It, uh, I don't know what's going on with the in training camp and with uh Rich Biasacha coaching out the players, but it, nothing's been fixed, it seems. I think the only bright spot is Pat O'Donnell. My he's, man. He's kicking the hell out of the ball. 
I think his first kick was uh, 70 yards and a five-second hang time, which that works, but when the gunners and the, the coverage gives up a 40-yard return, it nullifies what is a great kick. And that happened a few times uh, last last night where he just has amazing punts and pushes the uh, punt returner back and 20 yards to almost the goal line and they return it almost to midfield. And that's, I think that's going to be a defining moment or theme of this season is we expect this defense to be so good, right? Like we, we know they're good. They can't consistently start their defensive drives from midfield. Like that's just cutting them off at the knees. Essentially it's, it's hard. <laughs> like playing defense is hard and giving the offense uh, that big of a head start to just need 15 yards to get into field goal range to keep points off the board is difficult for the defense to do every single drive, especially and then also not give up touchdowns. So I don't know what happens between now and next week, but 25, I think it was 25 players last night sat for the Packers. A lot of those 25 are playing special teams. So it's going to be an interesting process to see who ends up being on special teams and if anything changes between now and uh, week one against the Vikings. Yeah, I think I think special teams is a unit you can probably write off the least amount of performance to its preseason because, like you mentioned, it's not like you're going, oh, we don't have what whatever whatever player, right? We don't yeah. have um, Al Al Lazard isn't out yeah. there. Yeah, like that. That's what's killing us. But you should be able to play special teams with relatively anonymous players. And I'm not. It's not saying it's not difficult. Clearly, the Packers have shown over the last several years right. it's quite difficult if you don't know exactly what to do there. But um, it, it shouldn't be this bad. And I think if if you know if there's one punt return or something, you go okay. They messed up once. That's fine. It was just continually bad. Like pretty much yep. every every point where it could have been bad, it was. You look at the first Chiefs scoring drive. That was Pat O'Donnell's 69 yard punt to the KC 22. And it at the end up the Chiefs end up starting their drive at the thirty eight because they get sixteen yards on that. And that was one of their their worst punt returns of the right. day. If you look at you know how they were doing the entire day long, so it's really just you just can't do it. I mean, there Corey Coleman returns a kick for forty five yards. Uh, he averages nearly sixteen yards on three punt returns. Uh, Jerion Ely has a twenty yard punt return. Sky Moore, their rookie wide receiver, has a 35-yard punt return. Like, there's, like, multiple yeah. returns for 30 or more yards. Also, the, fun Pat O'Donnell fact, real quick. Yep. He punted for more yards than either team gained on offense. I see that now. 340 338 <laughs> yards on six punts. He averaged 56 yards a punt. Guy That's has a good. boot. Um, yeah. I think, can we call him the punt god now that the actual punt god is a terrible person? Yeah, you might want to. Can that be part may... of the process, the legal process? Can we? Start the <laughs> we'll talk to uh, Roger Goodell about that. Yeah, well, put... I'd, I'd rather not talk to. Roger, oh yeah, to be yeah, honest, but... yeah. Fair point. But yeah, I think the big uh, number there that of all the numbers you listed is the average for the punt returns was twenty yards. That just can't happen. Like, <laughs> if you like, if you end up going three and out when you're pinned back deep on like the six seven yard line, and you just Three and out happens often because playing deep in your own uh, territory is hard. And you have to expect 
Pat Donald to boot off a 70-yard punt, well, that gets them to the the 30, right? Well, a 20-yard punt return puts them on mid- midfield again for averaging, like for taking those averages. And that's just, it, it takes more to flip the field than, yeah. than a good punter. You need good coverage, too, and it just isn't there. So we'll yeah. see, but I'm not. I'm not really excited to watch special teams going forward this season. I feel like I'm going to go bald by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, it was, to be specific, 19.7 yards per punt return. And I feel like punts are the ones you should be able to control more, especially yeah. when you have a good punter. Who's, I mean, I guess the farther you punt, the more ch- upside. But still, you should be able to limit the damage to a certain extent. It's not like... Right. It's not like the ball got there too fast and these guys got 20 yards before the special teams got there. They just weren't able to contain the returners. And then kicks were worse. The two kick returns for Kansas City, average of 31 yards. I mean, that's obviously up by one being 45. But their worst kick return of the day that they actually returned was 17 yards. It's just like you just can't have these, these regularly long returns. The funny thing is the Chiefs' first touchdown was actually quite a long drive. It was not one of the... Uh, longer return to the day, I believe, but still, yeah. I think their first their first score was a field goal on a short field where they only had to move the ball like 30, 36 yards to get in a field goal range and and score the first points of the game. Yeah, they're uh, trying to find the their first touchdown was a ninety yard drive. Yeah, exactly, and that's and that's fine if that happens. Like it's. That's going yeah. to happen time to time, but you'd like to make them obviously drive longer than only have to go 50 yards or so. Well, um, I mean, yeah, you look at the first first play, of this, or first drive of the second half. It's a touchdown drive for the Chiefs. They have to go 54 yards. Like, if you only yeah. have to go 54 yards, you're, there's just going to be more of those. And obviously, this wasn't the Packers' first team defense. Right. But even the first team defense, like, it's just – it's a game of it's a game of inches, and if you give up several, several feet – Every yeah. special teams play that's that's not going to bode well for how your defense holds up, right? And that and that touched on specifically the fifty yard bomb that was to the their backup tight end was a coverage issue. Like that that happens when you expect one corner to uh, pick up the streaking receiver essentially, and the safety doesn't uh, help. Like that happens more than once a season, just because it's. It's how defense works when you expect handoffs like that, like handoffs for the rear, uh, for the defense. You're going to have times where there is miscommunication because, unfortunately, there is not telepathy <laughs> going from uh, these defensive players, so they can't exactly communicate exactly when they're picking up. They just have to rely on their instincts and the practice that they've been getting in. So it's just, yeah, those big plays hurt a lot more on a shortened field. Yeah, this was one of the drives where the defensive line that the Packers had against Kansas City did not hold up great. So it was three straight plus runs, seven, nine, and then seven yards to kind of body blows. I mean, more than body blows. Those are really effective runs. But then it's like you give up. So three plus runs and then one, as you said, kind of a, a short pass that just goes. But they're already at the 31 when that happens because of the starting position. So then you're at the two yard line and. Unfortunately, the Packers did fail to score from the one, but the Chiefs did not yeah. at this possession. Um, yeah, it's just – it's almost hard to believe sometimes because I feel like with the special teams, a lot of the times I think when a fan base gets ready to yell about something, it doesn't hold up that long. You know, usually things only go wrong for so long. I think we've all been there, right? You type up the tweet like, oh, my God. <laughs> 
Devontae Wyatt's just getting blown up up front. And he immediately like makes a great tackle or something. That's it feels like that's usually how it goes. Right. You could have scheduled before the game the special teams tweets and been right every time. Like literally outside of Pat O'Donnell. And I think they they didn't miss any kicks. I guess that's fine. But I, I don't know what happened outside of those, I guess just the literal legs themselves that you would go, oh yeah, that's that okay, at least that was good on special teams. Right. Weirdly enough, I feel like they got a little better as the game went on. Like they were getting chunked in the first half on, on kick returns and punt returns, but um for my um my notes that I took, it was just fine coverage, nothing of note for a couple of them, but the forty six yards to start the second half thanks, but there was a couple where they uh the Packers punt coverage kind of swarmed how I'd want them to swarm um, typically. So it was a tiny little nugget of sunshine <laughs> versus the, a, the bad that was the first and first half and then the beginning of the second half. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think later in the game, I mean, also I think I was quite frankly losing a little steam of being fully plugged into the game <laughs> in the fourth quarter, but it yeah. did feel like you're right. It did feel like there weren't as many, you know, oh, this is a so maybe the guys at the bottom of the special team depth chart should be moved up a little bit. I don't know how much it really changes, or, but to be a pessimist, it's probably because the Chiefs, yeah, fourth, third, fourth string is doing punt returns and not their starters. Well, that's I, I do wonder how much it changes, and I don't know how much insight right. we would have outside from like meticulously trying to watch and see exactly who's out there, but. I know the Chiefs played more of their first team guys than the Packers did. We didn't see Mahomes. It was Chad Henney started the game for Kansas City. But I, I do wonder, like, does it really change that much? Does it really matter that much? Does that go into why they were so bad early? It's not like – I mean, he's obviously not on the team anymore. But it's not like Tyreek Hill was back there and doing the damage on returns. It was mostly right. anonymous players. You know, did Kansas City have their ace gunner team? And did that make the difference? I don't know. But I feel like – it probably shouldn't have been successful as it was anyway, is my takeaway. Right. Yeah, I think that's that kind of puts it up wrapped up in a nutshell. I don't yeah. have too much else to say about special teams. I'd rather not. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully a lot of it does end up being its preseason because hopefully. this is not a sustainable way to win football games against even solid teams. Like it just right. you just can't be on the back foot like this, especially with the questions at wide receiver. Yep. I agree. Wrong, agree. But um, moving on to kind of touch back a little bit um, of what you had mentioned when the when Kansas City drove the field and they scored from like the one yard line, that sort of made a light bulb go up my head to talk about Mike Abernathy and some of the defensive players who uh, who showed out last night. We'll start with him because that's just where where I want to start. But. Um, I thought he played really well. He led the team in tackles with, I believe it was uh, six. And on that uh, touchdown from the one or two yard line, he should have had a pick six. He got pretty blatantly held. Uh, the blocking receiver had a handful of his jersey across the chest and held him back from jumping the route, which he was jumping and he was going to, if he catches it, bring it all the way. And I really liked what I saw from him last night. He was all over the place, hitting with purpose and just kind of similar to how Quay Walker was playing in the first uh, the first quarter. He was just everywhere and being in plays. And he was the person that saved the touchdown on the long catch to tackle him at the two and then 
he goes and plays the other side of the field and almost comes up with an interception. Um, ultimately not and having the Kansas City score. But I'm really excited to see what he looks like in the regular season. I'm I'm pretty sure he makes the roster because of how uh, shallow we are at, at safety. But how much he plays is yet to be determined. But I really like his game and just his instincts for the ball are pretty blatant at this point after uh, how well he performed in the Saints game and almost coming up with an interception last night against Kansas City. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like feel, especially for secondary players, I think like both a sense for the ball, which we saw in the, the should have been pick six and just the ability to get involved. And I think tackles can be a confusing metric sometimes if you don't watch because like yeah. if you give up a bunch of catches and then tackle the guy, that's not really ideal. But I, I don't think that's where Abernathy's were coming from. He did right. lead the team six total tackles. He's also tied for the lead with solo tackles with four so uh, all over the place, I think a good game for him. I mean, a safety named Micah in Green Bay, I feel like that's a, a winning recipe. But to, I'd say. But I, yeah, I thought it was a good game for him. And I think certainly with the safety room, not overly stacked. I think they have obviously good players at the position, but not not a ton of them. Right. I would think – I think he's one of two guys who it seems like – and I'm not as plugged into the, the roster. So when we talk about cut day, I'll defer mostly to you, I think. But – one of two guys on the defensive side who it seems like may have gotten themselves some security. Maybe Abernathy had it coming into this game yeah. too, but um, there's another another uh, defensive player who I think maybe just one play, maybe it was a totally random play, but I do think overall it was pretty impressive. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. Let's talk about them. But uh, it's Jack Heflin. That tackle for a loss on the running back was incredible. It was such a a fun play to see. Like, you you love seeing defensive players make big hits in the backfield like it's just it's what you want to see every every time uh i tweeted it out but it was it was shades of uh Jadavion Clowney when he played for south carolina against uh i believe it was michigan and he just blew up the quarterback in the backfield on a uh, rpo and it was just like yeah that's exactly what you needed on that third and short and fourth and short i think it was third and short um it's, it's what you need to set to stop the drive because most of the time with a good running back, you're going to get that one yard. It's it's hard to get a yard, but with the way the uh, Kansas City run game was last night, they were kind of getting all they wanted in the run game. And so to make that play, stunt that drive and get the punt off was was a plus. And that might have been like the the flashiest play from him last night, 
But he also had that forced fumble. I think it was in the third or fourth, like yeah. either late third quarter or early fourth quarter. He just reaches out and punches the ball out. Like those are the kind of plays that you really want to see from your defensive line. Just getting a hand in there and disrupting the running back and making something out of nothing. They ultimately recovered it. Uh, the Kansas City did. To it did not... lead to a big, I think like an 11 yard loss. I was just yeah. looking that up too. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they retained the ball, but it's a big, um, a big move backwards for Kansas City. And what ultimately was just him reaching out, trying to make something happen. And that's what you got to do. And that's one of the funny, like he, he kind of gets robbed on that. Cause I think he doesn't end up being the one who registers the tackle later. So yeah. it doesn't get a tackle for loss despite that being such a, a big play. So I think two plays where you could look at and say he either helps to stall out a drive or potentially, you know, with the big loss and then does with that, that tackle. And I think clearly there was miscommunication on Kansas city's offensive line. Like it's not like Heflin started the play by, you know, pancaking an offensive tackle and right. then getting through there. But still, I think, you know, something on display is not every defensive lineman, especially you know, at this point in the preseason, even with a hole, is able to burst through that hole, find yeah. the ball carrier, and make it a good, strong tackle and make sure that they're taken down. You know, there's a lot of guys who maybe they're not there quick enough and the running back gets out of there and is able to get whatever they needed, like a yard, right? Like right. if you get to the line, that's most of the battle. You kind of just need to fall forward after that. I thought even given the circumstance was Taylor made for him to make a play, you still have to make the play, right? And I think he certainly did that on multiple occasions. He ends up tied for second in tackles. Quite the group of Packers with five or more tackles in this game. Micah Abernathy, Jack Heflin, and then Koi Walker, who we talked about earlier, as as expected, has has looked great moving around as a linebacker. Absolutely. Uh, Heflin also had four. So he, Abernathy, and Tariq Carpenter led the team in solo tackles. With four, Heflin leads the team in tackles for loss with a one. Although, again, he's getting a little cheated there for not not getting the fumble counted. Um, But I thought certainly had some great moments. Seemed like overall was solid as well. It wasn't like a boom or bust thing with him. And, you know, hopefully he can make the roster and continue to uh, up that stock. If there's one thing I really wish I didn't have to see in the Green Bay defensive uh, uh, part for tackles, it's at the bottom where Amari Rogers and Pat O'Donnell both have one tackle. Like, can we refrain yeah. <laughs> from wide receivers and punters having tackles, please? That would be that'd be uh, a good wish. Yeah, it'd be ideal if if uh, especially Pat O'Donnell, <laughs> right? Punters should not. <laughs> it's one of those. How, where do you come in on if if Rogers throws a pick and he'll probably throw like four all year, and the guy's running toward him regular season? Should he try to tackle him or no? Uh, I think the context of the game matters. A little. Like, I, I say almost always no. If it's like a tie game late in the game, I need him to make that tackle. If he's the last line of defense, he needs to make the tackle. Maybe but, if it's a tie game late, if it's first three quarters or not a close game, I say no. Don't even yeah. try. Who yeah, was it that got? Do you remember? Someone hurt their shoulder doing it like in the last two years. Probably somebody lame. I Probably. <laughs> like, I could see, like, Daniel Jones trying to make a tackle. It might, it might like, have been. It might have been. <laughs> breaking too. himself. Well, it's, just, it's one of those. It's like uh, like if, if your pitcher gets on first base. Like, I think, was it Freddie Peralta who got hurt? No, it was somebody else who got hurt. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I forget who it was. It might, no, it was Woodruff, I think. I think that was one of the – maybe not. I don't know. but I'm not going to answer because I don't know. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was one of the Woodruff injuries. But it's like, just be out. At first, it's not yeah. that important. You're, you're, you as a base runner, not that vital to us. 
you able to pitch every five days very vital to us. Yeah. Where, where I kind of come down on the tackles, although I'd probably be pissed if you just let someone run by. Maybe you just got to do it. Just push a little, you know, maybe right. not a full on shoulder into a running guy. And to be fair, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw Rodgers. Yeah, play defense off of, off he, of the interception. He puts himself it, in good positions by not throwing them, which is yeah, probably the right thing to do. Probably the right thing to do. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could even tell you the last time I saw Rodgers pursuing. A, a and that's why he's been pretty healthy outside of the old the old Cito. There's no wood to knock on. This isn't good. <laughs> yeah, he's been. Got yeah, it. thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, he's been, been healthy, which was. Something we didn't see for the middle part of his career there between yeah. like 2012 and like 2018. So here's hoping he continues the trend. Maybe the ayahuasca is doing something good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, move on to back, like back to offense and not Jordan Love, but the receivers. Yeah. We'll talk. And before I guess, briefly before we get into the receivers, I think uh, Tyler Goodson, excuse me, Tyler Goodson probably won that third running back spot last night. He is him versus Taylor, essentially, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much him versus uh, Patrick Taylor. Dexter Williams is not going to be on the on, on the uh, roster. That's pretty much a given. But yeah, Tyler Goodson seven carries, twenty eight yards, and a touchdown. And uh, Patrick Taylor seven carries, thirty four yards, and what should have been a touchdown, but couldn't see the ball on when he rushed at the one yard line. But um, I think the difference is. Is that Tyler Goodson's run on his touchdown run was not something we can we've seen from Patrick Taylor and what he can do with the ball when he's running, like it was just so explosive and exciting to watch. It was honestly Aaron Jones like just busting through the line, hitting the spin to get into uh, to get into the end zone. It was just exciting. Like his his spin move reminded me of. Uh, Michael Vick in like 2004 when he juked out those Vikings uh, defenders, they both ran to each other. Like, is that exactly yeah. what happened? He, he spun, and then both the Chiefs guys just ran to each other. <laughs> I mean, this is like even before the spin was obviously the highlight. That was so sick. But even before that, like he's in an area where there's Chiefs defenders, like there's traffic, and it was just the burst. And I think you mentioned at some point the Andy Herman tweet about like you can't teach that, you can teach special teams. Yeah. And that's exactly like just in open space, there's a difference in speed levels. This isn't a defensive lineman. That's that's a corner, number 23, who ends up getting stuck in the spin cycle. Right. He's only a couple feet away and just like cannot close the distance at all. Like Goodson is just gone. And that's one of those things where it's like, you know, you can be a great sound running back who picks the gap, but maybe you just don't have that. And it, it looked to me like there were times when Goodson got enough space to get into the open field. And yep. defenders just couldn't close. And that's like, if you're talking about a third running back, yeah, why not go for this upside and, and go yep. for a guy who makes plays like that? Also, good to see he, I think, had nearly as many yards receiving as he did rushing, which is, no, not not nearly as many, but he did have uh, yeah. five catches for 26 yards, which is pretty solid. It was good. Yeah. Uh, on that run, watching Josh Myers absolutely obliterate uh, that linebacker was amazing. He flattened him and pancaked him like it was, it was like man versus child essentially. He, he wanted more too. He, he wanted like, more. He, he followed up after that. Like who, who else could I find? Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, shouts to him because he was going in for the guy who Goodson spun out, 
And he kind of yeah. held back and didn't get in his way. And that is one of the most frustrating things you see is like when a run is yeah. going to go long like this. And one of the hogs from the offensive line just gets in the way. And you're like, oh, no, I know you're trying well, to that, do the right thing, but move. Right. That was uh, Isaiah McDuffie last week. That He was trying to make a tackle on what was going to be a long run. And in between Isaiah McDuffie and the Saints player was another Saints offensive lineman. And so instead of tackling the guy, Isaiah McDuffie just pushed the offensive lineman into the, into the ball carrier out of bounds. Like, that's one way to make a tackle. Like, it worked. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly and, uh, what you're talking about. Get the guy down and you're good. Yeah, I think there's a pretty easy decision there which for uh, for Goody just to keep Goodson and either hope Patrick Taylor will sign in the practice squad or find luck elsewhere. So Yeah, I never know. It feels like this. it's so easy to find good running backs. I mean, Kansas City has Ronald Jones on there, like fighting for a roster spot, it seems. That's, that's so crazy. I like, mean, he, he had the best yards per carry of any true running back in this game at 5.4. Right. Again, preseason, it's sloppy. But uh, right. I, I don't know how much demand there would be for Patrick Taylor. But you never know if some team like the Ravens last year ends up yeah. pretty hard up for, for ball carriers. Right. And like just touching on Ronald Jones, I, I, I tweeted it last night, like just thinking about it. It's crazy that Ronald Jones went from a thousand yard rusher in Tampa to being a Super Bowl winner, to being a uh, backup to Leonard Fournette, to being essentially let go slash just they let him walk, to now fighting for a roster spot. Like that is the, I guess, how running backs are treated in the NFL now. They're just, if you're not the top three, you're kind of just expendable. It's, yeah. a, it's like a rotating, uh, rotating door of people just getting bodies in there and finding fresh people. Which is why if you don't have someone who does something special, like Packers basically have two of those guys and, and Aaron yeah. Jones and A.J. Dillon, probably shouldn't pay that much if you can just say, hey, I guess we'll yeah. just have Ronald Jones be our backup running back for right. nothing. And, and he'll right. be very good for us or fine, depending on our offensive line. Yeah. Todd Gurley is a free agent and like 27 years old. So, <laughs> I mean, him, I think with. With the way he runs, I can kind of yeah. see why, but it is still it, it is sad. I do feel for running backs, although from a team building standpoint, again, if you're not doing something really special, as much as I, I it hurts, yeah. probably not going to give Todd Gurley a five year contract or anything. Yeah, but yeah, let's move on to the receivers and really talk about what has been the the main thread this preseason, which is the battle for the last one, maybe two roster spots um and that wide receiver death chart Javon Winfrey um Amari Rogers and I like, it's it's Sam right Sam Mature Samuel yeah I mean it's yeah Samori. Samori. yeah Samori. My, my apologies yeah. Samori. maybe Sam so, for short yeah so going coming out of last week wait real I, quick can yep. we can we just set like, what do you see as the top? We don't have to go through and order them, but just the players, just so we yeah. we have it set of what exactly cutoff point we're looking at here. So, receivers that are making the roster are Al Lazard, yeah. Demi Watkins, Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. So that's five. And, yep, there is there is one more, I believe. But, are you counting Winfrey in there? Is that six? That might have been my six. Yeah, because it feels like he, despite he only had one catch for seven yards, but it seemed like he may be more established than some of the other guys who were lighting it up right. in this game. Yeah, he definitely, like, I think, like, I think I did include him as six based yeah. off of last 
uh, last week's performance. So yeah, I again through the Discord for talking in there a lot about stuff. Yeah, I had uh, Lazard, Watkins, Cobb, Watson, Dobbs, Winfrey, and then this is where the decision needs to be made. Um, if they keep seven, it was probably Rogers because they were using him so much last week and this week in ways that weren't route running. Whether it's jet sweeps, like they ran so many jet sweeps, jet sweeps for that man. Or I think they even lined him up in the backfield last night. He had a nice run. Um, yeah, three rushes for 17 yards. So that's, I think his longest was a actual handoff carry for 11. And so I think they're going to end up keeping Mario Rogers. And then I think Toure is going to the practice squad. But what makes this decision difficult is that Winfrey and Toure on their route running have looked really good. Like they run really good routes and catch balls in traffic and catch balls at the height of their jump. Like it's, they haven't looked like young players in that respect, working with Jordan Love against second team defenses. Amari Rogers has more value as a utility player. Um, I forget who in the GSPN family said it, but it's, uh, it's like Ty Montgomery. Or Tom Montgomery started as a wide receiver, and then that one year where the Packers had no running back, they're like, "Screw it, we'll we'll put uh, Tom Montgomery in the backfield." I think that's a lot of what he reminds me of, and so it's going to be a tough decision for the front office to figure out where they want to go, because there is use for a guy like Amari Rogers, but I feel like we have Amari Rogers at home and Aaron Jones. Like they do the well, same. That's the opposite. I think you have Amari Rogers well, no. at the store and Aaron Jones. Right. <laughs> He's much better. <laughs> well, right. It's like the point being is that they both are okay to good pass catchers. Yeah. And both look like they have. And obviously, Aaron Jones is a much better rusher than Amari yeah. Rogers is. But yeah. I think like that's where Amari Rogers' value is lying with the offense right now. He's not doing much um, past the line of scrimmage and going for route and catching balls. He's showing off his speed in the unique plays, the end arounds, the jet sweeps, the reverses, things like that. So, yeah, I think like and he's not the first, but Cordero Patterson kind of walked. So players like this could run. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Like when Cordero Patterson was first in the league, feels like teams just didn't understand how to use these hybrid gadget players as well. And now you see with Atlanta, he's having so much success. And he's more basically just a running back now. But I think Amari Rodgers is one of those players. So I think if you're looking at pure wide receiving, Toure and Winfrey are just better. And if you're looking at pure rushing, you could probably argue the two running backs we talked about earlier are better at rushing by itself than Amari Rodgers are. But if you're looking at a mix of the two things, none of those four players are as good as Amari Rodgers. Right. So it is interesting. It all, it all does depend what direction the Packers want to go. The other side, I think, for keeping Amari Rodgers is, you know, how good is it really to have seven wide receivers who are all, I mean, not all the same, but all like more prototypical. Right. I mean, Cobb is more of a slot, whatever. But right. if you have six, you know, big body typical receivers, does it really help to have six versus five versus being able to have the flexibility of Amari Rogers? And I think, right. you know, you'd want to use him on kick returns more than these other guys, stuff like that. 
So I that think it, might, really, it yeah. really all depends. The kick returns might differentiate given the special that might, teams issue. Yeah, that might make them make the roster. Yeah, which I think honestly is fine. Like, I don't think I'd be really torn up either way if no. it's Rodgers or Toure. Like, as much as, I mean, Toure, let's give him some some roses. Six receptions for 83 yards. Led the team in, in receiving. Led the game in receiving, actually. Yep. Um, was good, but... Is this guy irreplaceable or impossible to find another another equivalent player? I think probably right. not, right? right. So right. Um, if you have a plan for Amari Rodgers, I think it's fine. If he ends up returning like half the kicks and does nothing on offense, it would be a little bit of a waste. But I feel like they'll be able to work him in to some extent, you would hope. Right, right. Uh, you saying that Cordero Patterson <clears throat> walked so that players like this could run. I was like... Are you sure that Tavon Austin didn't do this? Tavon Austin. Well, Tavon Austin wasn't. But, but he was wasted more. True. They're also the same draft. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Tavon Austin was uh, eight overall, and I think uh, Cordero Patterson was like twenty three or something. T- Tavon oh, twenty nine. Tavon Austin was. I, I say Cordero Patterson because he lasted long enough to actually get to do it, whereas Tavon Austin, yeah. like. They just kept lining him up at receiver and then giving him like one end around every four weeks. And it's just he wasn't a receiver. You know the other guy I think about with this? They like I wish we saw him on a team that would do stuff like Amari Rogers is asked to do offensively. Mm-hmm. Devin Hester was never used right on offense. Never. Never like, ever. Clearly could not catch, could not run routes and, and catch yeah. together. But man, I would have been giving that guy a wide receiver screen, two end arounds, a jet sweep, like every game. Right. It's clearly there's these guys who it's like they're not fully fledged wide receiver skill sets, but if you can get them the ball in open space, it's going to be special. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there we saw a lot of players who it kind of always made sense, but the NFL just really wasn't doing that for a very long time. Right. I I forget every I should say every time I forget that Tavon Austin played for the Packers. He played. Uh, I totally forgot that. Four I games. Think I remember being excited about the idea of him being on the roster. Played four games in 2020, and then I didn't know he played last year. Oh my god! He played for the Jaguars last year. Yeah. Oh, I uh, thought you meant for the Packers. I was no, like, I really don't remember no, 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 that. No. <laughs> oh, he had a 200 yards last year, a touchdown for the Jaguars. No, maybe, maybe he's maybe he is going to make it long enough to. I mean, they have they have uh, they already have a who's the guy they drafted the Jags that's that should do the same thing. I don't think it's ETN. They have another guy who. Yeah. Um, seems like he should be a good gadget player too. But yeah, hopefully yeah. Tavon Austin can get a little bit of the uh, late late career resurgence that we did see from Cordell Patterson. Hopefully. But yeah, I think that'll be hopefully I let's 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 walk this back. The Packers love to make a surprise cut every year. They do it every single year. Whether it's Brian Balaga, which again was Goody wrong. I don't think so. Because he hasn't done a whole lot for the Chargers since then. Um, my mind and my memory is escaping me at this point. Whoever the uh, the wide receiver was that Rodgers loved and like ranked the front office over the coals for, he ended up going to the Bills. Um, that was oh my yep, goodness! I know it's I can't think of his name. Um, but Jake whoever, Kumaro. yeah, Jake Kumaro was a surprise one because again, fan favorite. Uh Packers legend Jeff Janis, when he when his time came to an end in Green Bay, there's always one surprise cut, and I'm hoping that it isn't that this year because I really don't see anybody that um they could be cutting that would be like that would make sense. 
Like they, they, they traded Colvin Landon, which like would have been probably that surprise cut, given that he was playing fairly well. But they're, we're just pretty deep on offensive line right now. But I'm hoping that the wide receiver decision is like the decision of the day. I don't think there's any other surprises in store. But w- whether they keep Winfrey, Rogers, or Toure is what I'm looking forward to on on Tuesday. And if they, I'm hoping that I don't have to watch for Heflin and Abernathy, but I think that wide receiver decision is going to be the biggest one. What about uh, Slayton on the defensive line? Pretty sure he's a seventh round rookie. So I'd be surprised if they, if they cut him. If they cut him and, <clears throat> excuse me. If they cut him and didn't sign to the practice squad. Yeah. But I do think Heflin looked better. Yeah. But I thought Slayton had some moments too. Yeah. And that's not even like something I'd be surprised about. I, I'd like to see him on the practice squad. Yeah. But if it comes they're like, yep, Slayton's cut with the intent to sign to the practice squad, like, okay, that's not eyebrow raising. Yeah. Yeah, I think any one of those three wide receivers, we would hope that's, I guess, the most controversial. I don't know yeah. if it will be because, yeah. as you mentioned, the Packers have their, their way of doing things. But Right. I think something that could throw a wrench into things is if they decided to keep Travis uh, Fulgham, who has NFL experience and has has like significant NFL experience, like touchdowns and yardage playing with the Eagles. Yeah. I think the Chargers, maybe, but for sure the Eagles. And if they decide that they want to keep a veteran who, like, they know they can count on that, not make those sort of mental mistakes, and know what playing NFL is, that could throw a wrench in things. But I would expect them to cut in before they keep him. Yeah. Yeah, tribute. When, when is is it Tuesday? Tuesday. So Tuesday. So maybe next pod. So obviously there's no game next week. Yep. Or really the week after. The September 11th is the first Packers game. Yep. So safe to say we can probably expect a new podcast middle of next week to react to these cuts. That's right. And then the week after that, we can uh, we can talk about the getting ready for week one, the Vikings. Yep. Can I can I share my – and this probably doesn't even make sense, but my – I just want to take a shot in the dark, throw a dart at the surprise cut for, for in the vein of oh a vet who would, who would save some cap. Hold on. Let me uh... – So I'm looking at post-June 1st cuts, um, dead money and cap saving. So I found a player who I think doesn't seem like has totally been inspiring and is – would save about $6 million going forward on the cap. All right. Well, let's hear it. And feel free to tear me up if this is stupid. Okay. With the with the play of Heflin and everything else, Dean Lowry. Uh that might be stupid. Okay. Fair. But fair. I, I want. Well, I, I was. It was in the Bulaga vein. I'm not. I'm not predicting right. this. This is my bold prediction. Shot in the dark. Unexpected vet cut. Because <clears throat> I don't see that many others that would make sense in terms of yeah. established guys. So you could be right. Is the issue? Like, but I think he's played fairly well in previous years and he's had a good camp from what I've seen reported on Twitter and just reading some of the articles and things, but yeah, um, I would anticipate him being on the roster. I'd be, I would too. I would too. This is, this is a bold prediction, not a prediction. I want to make that clear. This is not like, Oh, I think you need to cut Dean Lowry. That's my, like, if there's a surprise vet, that's, that's my, my pick. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd I'd be shocked. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. No, but, that's... Uh, again, I don't want to be shocked on cut day. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not going to go through the whole roster to figure out no. exactly what the numbers are, but it, it yeah. seems like. To put it simply, they should be in a position where they they don't have to cut too many guys that are really, really impressive. I did want to float one player to you. I noticed I was looking through some uh, lists of like the highest graded players, including at PFF. Offensive tackle Caleb Jones through two weeks of the preseason was the 14th highest graded rookie by PFF. Zach Tom was 12. I think we all know. Zach Tom isn't on the roster bubble discussion. He's on the starter discussion. So that's why we haven't really talked much about him. Another great week from from Zach Tom. I think still zero allowed pressures. He had his first penalty, uh, illegal hands to the face. But six foot nine, 370 pound tackle, Caleb He's Jones. Huge. Mauling in the run game. Huge. How, uh, do you think he is he making the roster or is he probably out? Um, Looking at kind of who is ahead of him, he's a tackle. So we have to when they're healthy, yeah. all pro level tackles. Yep. So I could see him making it. I think if they're going to keep a rookie, they keep Tom. And then hopefully Caleb yeah. Jones again goes to the practice squad. But I could definitely, there's definitely a reality where Caleb Jones makes it. I would not be surprised if they kept him. Yeah. One of those either way guys. I think the, none, there's, there's going to be people who are probably outraged about some of these either way guys. But I think. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not like we talked about with the receivers, as long as it's not like two or all three of those three guys not making yeah. it, it seems like okay, yeah, that's fine. Right. And the problem is, is like I'm looking at like, I guess spot track probably isn't the best place to look at roster depth, but like Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Nenman, Newman, Runyon, Ryan, Tom, Jake Hansen, Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, like only yeah. those last three are ones that are on the bubble. And I think Rashid Walker was playing pretty well last night. Yeah, I think and he then, was too. So Yeah, you, you can tell why they traded a guy, right? I yeah. mean, it sucks you to tell why a seventh right. round pick, but you can tell why they traded right. an offensive lineman. Right, they just, had, they just have so much depth there that it's tough. They, they did what I do on Madden before cut day when you're like, oh, I'm not going to cut a 70 overall. Somebody will give me a sixth rounder for this guy. They, they right. actually did. And it's a smart thing to do, right? Why give a right. guy away for free? But they may, was, they may as well keep all. They may, may keep them all, too. The offensive line. Yeah, offensive yeah. line is is five players. And if you have one injury, you it's next man up. And yep. that, that number goes from needing five offensive linemen a week, for sure, to needing 10 real fast when... I'm gonna get hurt. So yeah, 100%. I could see him. I could see him keeping Caleb Jones all the way down, like keeping nine. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, again, that also is a position so complicated by, you know, what is the internal expectation? I'm sure they're being cautious, like you <clears throat> are, with especially Bach. But you yeah. know, if the thought is we do think we'll have Jenkins and Bakhtiari by you know week three, week four, whatever, and that, this, I'm I'm just literally making this up, but then you're like, okay, maybe we don't need Caleb Jones if we're going to bring those two guys back into the fold. Not that you should read Caleb Jones' roster spot into those right. guys' things, but all, there's so many factors that go into, you know, it's unfortunate for the players, right? Caleb Jones played well in the preseason. There's just so much more beyond his control that goes into whether he has a spot on the Packers next week. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, well, I guess we'll see come Tuesday. Yeah, 
Yeah. Any anything else from from preseason standing? I can't believe we got an hour. I know on Packers Chiefs preseason post game. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, I'm long winded. We talked about this and uh, yeah, yeah. The, the opener. So no, I don't have anything else. Do you? No, no. I think I think I'm all set. I'm ready for quote unquote real football. Packers yeah. Vikings week one. Is it noon? September 11th. I think it's maybe it's I'm almost certain it's noon. I feel like Packers-Vikings has to be in. I mean, come on. No, it's 325. Of course it is. Yep, 325. Packers at Vikings. So yep. uh, week one coming up. we got a couple weeks. Prime time. We can dive into Brewers and get our heart broken as we uh, wait for cut day. Yep. So uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Be sure to listen to the rest of the GSPN family pods, the – the Brewers have a big series against the Cubs coming up this weekend at home. Hopefully it's way more fruitful than the last series against the Cubs, but check out Andrew and Adam at Cruising for a Bruising over there on Sunday for that wrap-up. Um, Buck season's a little bit ways away, but they can find you and you and Rohan at yep. Eurostep, and then Adam and Jordan with winning six. So we got all the Wisconsin sports coverage you're, you're uh, here too at selfless. Subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> this is episode two. We need to focus a little bit more right here. So if you're listening, <laughs> whether it's on YouTube, on Apple, Spotify, wherever, subscribe to Talking to Tundra and leave a rating and review. We're going to make Numok start reading them soon. So Ooh. make sure to leave a rating and review. Five stars. We only read five stars. Yes. And if you want to, if you, you – know, I don't use Apple. We don't have well, – you can leave – a five-star rating on the Spotify app, screenshot that. Use the Discord form at gspn.info. We get, we put on a spot. You can write your own review, and we'll make Numak read that too. So That's right. If you want to make this man read ridiculous things, rate this podcast five stars. Please and thank you. We'd all appreciate it. So That wraps it up for us for this week. We will be back next week after, after Tuesday Cuts to give a rundown of any surprises or just review what the Packers uh, decide to do. And then again, next week, early next week for or possibly the week after I'm trying to think of when the schedule is. Yeah. The week after for, <laughs> for uh pre uh, pre not, not preseason, a pre game regular season. <laughs> look at the Packers, go through the schedule a little bit and talk about that first game of uh, Packers Vikings. So thank you ever for listening. And uh, thank you, Ty. Thank you. Numa. O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.